Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. at least according to Pastor Jason last week. If you saw his calendar, uh, this is how he views uh, the season that we're in. Uh, He gave us kind of this image from uh, November to December, Christmas all the time, a little bit of Thanksgiving. I don't know if that's how you see it, but it's Christmas carols now. They can begin. And, And you're hoping that the presents get delivered to the ports and actually make it for Christmas. And, and you navigate all the joys, but then all the stress that goes with this season. Which brings us to today's question. Here it is. How do you cope with stress? Let's make sure everybody gets it. Just wherever you are online, 12 Stone Home and Campus, lean over to your neighbor and ask, how do you cope with stress? Just go ahead and do it. Loud, proud. How do you cope with stress? Ask them. In fact, maybe you already have an answer for them, and it's badly. How do you cope with stress? And by stress, I mean, let's just kind of walk down the list. In the wake of the pandemic, and there certainly is, in the wake of polarizing relationships, how do you cope with stress in the wake of job setbacks or success, and it's done one or the other or both? under temptations to indulge to what everybody indulge as a way to escape how do you cope with stress when you have to bear with people over the holidays who are a bear for you to be around (laughs) and if there's nobody that's difficult for you to be around guess who it is (laughs) how do you deal with stress you know we all have it and yes, there's great joy in relationship, but, but relationships are stressful. I mean, you have to walk through many doors over holidays. And it all tends to come together at this Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. I mean, you got to walk through your, the, the door at your home. Not, I mean, not just literally doors, yes, but, but symbolically, figuratively. I mean, you walk through the doors of your house or, or in your bedroom or your kid's room. You walk through the doors at work or into your office or into a boardroom. You walk through the doors to, to socialize with neighbors or with coworkers into family dinners, and on and on the list goes, into shopping doors and in the community. And, and you walk through these doors, and, and at some points you hope there's, there's things that come together and are joyful, but there's a lot of stress in relationships. How do you cope with stress? Well, it's our hope that in this season that God will help us through Colossians chapter 3. I want, you to, I want you to look at this. We started with it last week. Put on. And by the way, put on. We're going to come back to that. Put on is a really important couple of words. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with. There it is. Doing what? Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I mean, there's this beautiful idea that God has for how you navigate stress in life and in relationships. 
And maybe we've lost something of the how to bear with one another, how to bear with the stress of one another. So there's four things that we want to unpack over this month of November. The very things that if we could get them right inside us, it could help us deal well with relationships around us. And listen, we're not just trying to address them right now. We're trying to address them now so that over this next month, we make great decisions over November, December, and into the new year. So we don't walk into the new year kind of regretting, but instead conquering it now, conquering it early, and walk into the new year healthy and strong. And so those four things, ingratitude, talked about it last weekend, self-indulgence, it's where we're going today. Then we'll address offense, resentment, and then we'll address comparison. All of this sitting inside Colossians. So, for today. How do you cope with stress? Here's what I'm convinced of. Now listen, you may have never thought about this. This may have never crossed your mind. But I think, I think the number one way we now deal with stress is self-indulgence. Think about it. We escape into self-indulgence. Oh, I'm feeling stress and all the relationships stress it. And the way I'm going to handle it is with escaping to self-indulgence. And it's killing us. It's killing our faith. It's killing our life and relationships. Self-indulgence is killing our marriages, our families, our kids. The work of the kingdom. Our country. This is costly. When Paul was trying to help Timothy as a rising, developing pastor to know how to come alongside people, at one point in 1 Timothy, he's talking about widows, and he makes a statement that's almost a proverb. You can insert anyone, any group, but particularly this group where there was some self-indulgence. He's like, I can't help you with this. Just say it up. But she, the widow, and you can insert anyone there, but she, the widow, who is self-indulgent, is dead even while she lives. It's killing you. It means on the inside you're dying. What self-indulgence does is it destroys you from the inside out. You step through that door, and then you drift, and then there's destruction. And this process, you know what? It, this is going to be heavy, so let me put a smile to it, just a little bit of a smile. With one of my favorite commercials, it was made by Geico Insurance Company. Everybody's got the ones you like. But I like this one in particular. It is a spoof on horror flicks. Anybody ever watch a horror flick? Anybody ever watch a horror movie? Hands up. If you ever watch, how many like them? Let me just see. How many of you like, oh, yeah, you like. I, I talk to screens. I don't know what you, I talk to screens. I talk, talk to TVs. They never listen. But it's like, why are you walking through that door? Like, isn't it just so dumb? You watch a horror movie, and then, and then they don't go in the attic. You know what's on the other side of that door. It's going to kill you. Don't go in the basement. Don't, don't walk through that door on the other side of the door. It's going to kill you. We all know that. That's why I love this commercial. So if you haven't seen it, 30 seconds. It's worth a moment. Let's hide in the attic. No, in the basement. Why can't we just get in the running car? Are you crazy? 
Let's hide behind the chainsaws. If you're in a horror movie, you make poor decisions. That's what you do. I'm being quiet. Breathing on me. If you want to save 15% or more on car insurance, you switch to Geico. It's what you do. Uh, when you're in a horror movie, you make poor decisions. It's what you do. You know, when you're under stress, you often make poor decisions. It's what we do. One of the poorest decisions we can make is a lifestyle of self-indulgence. Because it doesn't relieve stress, it postpones it and increases it. But that, I think, is our number one way of handling stress. When I was in the decade of my 30s, the stress of career, my particular career job, trying to build it, trying to break through and, and then handle all the setbacks and the success that was going with it in that decade, and then marriage, and, and that was, had its own stress, kids, one, two, three, and then God help us, four, and how do you manage all that, and then financial stress. So I... I was managing stress with food. I'm not going to make you raise your hands, but you know what I mean if you're in that group. Food is comforting. It's just like, just eat your feelings. You ever heard that statement? It's like this, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not eating to live, I live to eat. And so I gained the obligatory 10 pounds when I got married in, in, in my 20s. But in my 30s, I gained the extra 35 on top of it. So I had achieved... Uh, I picked about 205 pounds on this amazing, tall, five-foot-eight body. It didn't look great. I can't tell you um, how internally, internally undoing and frustrating it was. All the body changes, world changes, stress changes. I just, I got no outlet. I got to eat, eat. That's what'll do it. And with all its comfort, it just added stress. I made so many promises to myself I couldn't keep. I had such a history of failure in trying to win it. And I would beg God. I, did, I know this is going to sound silly. I would beg God, would you just help me? And I'll be honest with you, he never gave me a miracle. You know, I didn't wake up one morning. That's who I married. That never happened. I did not have a go-to-bed miracle wake-up morning. Instead of a miracle, God said, make better decisions. Listen, just make better decisions under stress. That's all I got. Let me say it another way. Close the door to self-indulgence. And open the door to self-restraint. Now, God will help us with that. But we are in a season, in a time, and I wrote down some examples of where we are. I think that, that, that we're coping with stress through self-indulgence in the last 18 months has been enormous stress, even if you don't know how to measure it all. And it's still the fallout of it and the uncertainty of it all. And, and 
it's normalizing it until everybody agrees that self-indulgence is a good idea. Just run behind the saws, the chainsaws. This is smart. So I, I, I just listed some that drinking. We escape into drinking. Sales are up 35 to 50%. And the binge drinking that goes with the binge buying, binge watching Netflix. Who doesn't? I mean, I, I, we watched one series once. We started watching. I mean, went, like went through 10 of them in a row. I got done. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm for bed. Like, like, it was so many for so long. I'm like, I think I spent more time watching Netflix than I did worship prayer or, or reading scripture, anything all week. I mean, you just, you get caught in it. It's just this escape. And we're escaping into, well, porn addiction, binge eating, adultery, divorce, painkillers, drifting into convenience, first life, pause. I'll say something maybe that's along the line of convenience, first life. At the end, it. Don't dismiss that. Moral confusion, online gambling addictions are on the rise. Video game addictions, internet and social media addictions, flat out sinful choices. We're using self-indulgence to escape stress. And it's no better than running behind the chainsaws. It's not helping us. It's not removing stress. It's increasing stress. So what have you drifted into? And God wants to help us. That's where Colossians 3 is. So let's go back to Colossians 3. And Colossians 3 begins with put on then. Put on then. Now this is interesting because those first two words, you might not know it, but Paul is telling us to close doors to self-indulgence and open doors that will help you build toward things like compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, and But before he ever gets to the put on in verse 12, it's preceded by the put off. It's preceded by put to death. In other words, before you ever open these doors, you got to understand this context. Paul is saying, close these other doors. In other words, let me put it this way. Put to death, close the door to self-indulgence, put on, open the door to self-restraint. So now let's go ahead of the scriptures we've been in, in Colossians 3. Let's go up to verse 5, and we'll just kind of weave through the NIV and the message version, because this doesn't need a lot of information. It just needs to be read. Hear it. It makes so much sense to where we battle in the culture. Put to death. In other words, close the door. That means killing off everything connected with the way of death, sinful indulgence, sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust. Hey, doing whatever, look, doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. It wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and not knowing any better. But you know better now. You make sure... So make sure it's, it's all gone for good. In other words, close the door. Bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. Don't lie to one another. Since you have taken off your old self, you've closed the door with its practices and have put on, you've opened the door to the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and in the image of its creator. God is making it possible for us to close the doors in self-indulgence and open the doors of self-restraint. He is transforming us so Don't use self-indulgence to cope with stress. Hmm. Which means you've got to close a door and open a door. 
In my 20s and 30s, I loved hot chocolate. Anyone understand what I'm talking about? How do you not? If you've ever had it, how do you not love hot chocolate? What's not to love? That came from heaven to earth. It was, it's from God. It will be in heaven. I'm certain of it. And I loved it. And when I say I loved it, I mean, I like hot drinks. I come from Michigan originally. I like hot drinks in the fall and in the winter, and then sometimes in the spring and in the summer. And the only hot drink I liked is hot chocolate. So I drank a lot of it. I didn't get to 35 additional pounds on an accident. I worked my way to this. I would go to a Starbucks and I would order a venti hot chocolate, three pumps of chocolate, one pump of vanilla, milk, steamed 160 degrees, extra whipped cream, and then I heard the angels. I'd have one every day, sometimes a couple in a day. It was glo- Don't judge me. Do not judge. I saw that. Do not judge me. It was fantastic. And I couldn't figure out why I kept gaining weight. Anyhow. Something had to change, and I, 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 there was no other hot drink. I know some of you are thinking coffee, but I, I don't drink coffee. It, it's just got nasty flavor to it. You know, it was interesting to me. I don't drink coffee. Jason, Pastor Jason doesn't drink coffee, and Jesus never drank coffee. Three of the most godly people I know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Just, I'll just move on. So I had to figure out how to drink something that, 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 that wasn't... That wasn't hot chocolate. So I had to learn how to, how to drink hot tea. And so I had I, to cultivate a taste for hot tea. I had to close the door on hot chocolate, open the door on hot tea. And I want to give you a statement that was transformational for me, and you'll see how it applies to life. Hot chocolate was easy to drink and hard to live with. Hot tea was hard to drink and easy to live with. Ooh. See, there are some things that are easy to drink in. It's just the lifestyle they produce is hard to live with. And if you don't close the door, you end up in places you never want to be. And there are things that are hard to do. They're hard to drink in, but they produce the life you long for. Amen. Come on. Amen. Amen. And nobody's escaping this. No judgment. Shared journey. We're all navigating this, and everybody's got a hot chocolate. Everybody's got an indulgence, a temptation, a place that you can run to for escape. Let me say this. You got to die. Let me say it differently. You're going to die anyway. This is inspiring, isn't it? Can you feel it? You're like, oh, take notes on that. That feels so good. Here's what I mean. If I keep drinking hot chocolate, it's going to kill me. But if I want to change, I'm going to have to die to myself to get through the door. Hmm. Of self-restraint. But you're going to die one way or another. This is where you choose to die. And dying to self is one tough thing to do. So what do you do with all this? I'm glad you asked because that's what's next on my notes. What do we do with all this? Let's spend the rest of our time attempting to apply this. Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, gave us some great insight. 
Get your head right, get your heart right. Get your head right, get your heart right. Here's get your head right. In Proverbs 4, he said, avoid evil, close the door, and walk straight ahead. Don't go one step off the right way. In other words, think right, get your head right, understand what happens when you walk through the wrong doors and close those doors. On the other hand, get your heart right. Watch over your heart, over your what, everybody? Your heart. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Get your head right, get your heart right. Now, I don't care where you are. If you're online, if you're 12 stone home, if you're at a campus, do this with me, right? Get your head right, get your heart right. Get, get your pointer finger up. Just do this, okay? This is, this is your calisthenics for the day, ready? And you say it with me three times. Get your head right, get your heart right, get your head right, get your heart right, get your head right, get your heart right. Everybody ready? Can't hear you. You ready? Yes. Let's go. Get your head right, get your heart right. Get your head right, get your heart right. Get your head right, get your heart right. Let's get our head right. Figure out what doors to close. Because the door of self-indulgence, listen, the door of self-indulgence is easy to open and hard to live in. That room is a tough room to live in. And the door of Self-restraint is a tough door to open, but an easy door, an easy room, an easy place to live in. Hmm. So let's go to the doors. Let's call this the door of self-indulgence. Man, this door is attractive. Don't kid yourself. This is the hot chocolate door. <laughs> this is a door we all want. Like in the midst of stress, I need comfort. I need relief. I need to get freed up. Oh, if I could just open the door. It feels so much better. And Solomon tells us, get your head right. Get your heart right. Get your head right. But that's easier to say than do. Listen, Solomon failed miserably at what he wrote. He started out honoring God. I want wisdom from God. I, I don't want fame and fortune. God, I want to fully follow you. And God told him, listen, you open the door, pay attention. You open the door, you'll drift. You drift and you'll open the next door and eventually you'll hit destruction. You'll hit this wall. Now, you chose it, and you didn't see it at the beginning. But that's what warnings are for. You start right at the first door. Don't open the door. You open the door, you drift. When you drift, you hit destruction. So you got to come back and close these doors. You can't. That life is going to destroy you. So Solomon is here at the door. And what does God tell him? Well, he tells all the kings in Deuteronomy chapter 17. I'll give you just one example. Don't marry many wives. One is challenging enough. That's not in the Hebrew. But I think that was the implication. You have no idea what I'm not saying right now. But this is how you get 39 years of marriage. <clears throat> you just be quiet sometimes. And don't marry foreign women. Because they have foreign gods. 
Now, that was one of the many instructions he gave to the kings of the nation of Israel. But Solomon came to the door. Self-indulgence. Like, oh, you know what? I need to marry many wives so that I can have political alliances. So that I can create peace with other countries. Marry the daughter of like the king of Egypt, which God forbid. Don't even go back to Egypt. It's symbolically like going back to sin and oppression. Solomon's like, well, for the sake of peace. Just one. No big deal. He marries one. And once you're through the door, you always drift. You always what? You always drift. You don't know you're going to drift. You just think, oh, one door. I'll be fine. So open the door. But you open this door and you begin to drift. First Kings chapter 18. And Solomon ended up with 700 wives and 300 concubines. You have no idea when you open that door where you're able to drift. And then he built altars for his foreign wives, false gods. He never believed he would do it. See, he started his life way out here, and he was building a place of worship for the living God. But once you walk through the door of self-indulgence, once you justify this, once you begin to drift, pretty soon you walk through other doors, and now he's built altars to false gods. Oh, he's still out here. He's still going to the place of worship for the living God. And then he runs through these doors and he's now worshiping false gods. In fact, I can just read it for you from 1 Kings. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father was. Then he hit the wall of destruction. First Kings 11, 11. So the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you, I will tear it out of the hand of your son. Yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Solomon had no idea that by the time he got to the end of his life, he would destroy things for himself, for his family, for his kids, for the nation. That's what opening the door of indulgence does. You're supposed to see through all the doors that it leads to destruction. It's what keeps you from going through the door. You, you have to learn how to close the doors. If I, if I want to get healthy, it's not going to be a miracle. It's going to be making better decisions. And I got to close these doors. I got to walk away from this life. This is what it means to walk with God. And this is happening to us. See, you come here and you say, oh, you know what? Drinking is no big deal. Well, hang on. There's nothing wrong with an alcoholic drink. It's not the first drink. It's the second drink. And the third drink. And the fourth drink. And I need the buzz. And I need the comfort. And pretty soon you've walked through the door and now you're drifting. And this becomes a way of life 
And this impacts all your relationships and your work and everything that you do until eventually, well, you just hit the wall of destruction. You never plan to be here, but it's where it always leads. And this happens with every indulgence. If you don't close the door on pornography and fight that battle, on sexual sins, on overspending, on whatever is your choice of indulgence to escape stress. If you open this door, it leads to drift and drift leads to destruction. See, what God is saying to us at this point is, where is it that you have started to drift? I mean, what door do you need to close? Could you courageously ask God right now, what door do you need to close? And in asking that, could you equally say, and Lord, I'm willing to commit. I'm willing to say, I'm going to close this door. I'm going to close this door. God, help me. I'm going to close the door to indulgence. And not only commit to God today, I'm going to close that door, but you got to tell a friend. Here's what I've discovered. If if I really want to win something, I'm going to have to tell someone other than God. (laughs) Text a friend on the way out. Say, listen, I I got to close this door. And by the way, let me just talk for a moment, because if you're 30, if you're under 30, I have two sons in that category. One in college, one out of college. If you're under 30, you know what you got to have? You got to conquer. You got to close the door to procrastination and impurity. You got to close this door. The the culture is lying to you when they say you relieve stress by putting off pressure, getting your work done, whether it's college work or whatever stage you're in. It doesn't postpone merely remove stress. It piles it up. Impurity, no big deal. Don't worry about porn. Fight it later. I know it'll destroy you. Fight the battle now. Oh, it doesn't matter. Sexual promiscuity, just be sexually out. Oh, it does. You know where the wall is. Oh, you can't see it at this stage of your life, but it's coming. You'll drift into places you never thought you would go and eventually hit destruction. Oh, we'll just live together. We don't need to get married. Don't kid yourself. You can't violate the wisdom of God and the will of God And still get the life of God. If you don't close the door. It'll destroy you. You're living in a culture who is telling you. That it's smart. To hide behind the chainsaws. And we're buying it. Well, if you're 30 to 40. Here's seasons raising kids. Huge decisions. Listen, if there are doors you don't want your kids, hear me, if there are doors you don't want your kids to open when they're teenagers and in their 20s, then why don't you close those doors right now in your own life, in your 30s and your 40s? Can I get an amen? And it's tough. It it is because stress draws you in. Listen, many of you know the pastor, Jason Berry, is the future senior pastor at 12 Stone. I've heard people say, oh, BK's retiring. No, he's not. He's just recognizing that the 30s and 40s should be at the point leadership of the church to transform families because you've got to be raising kids to do it. I'm empty nester. I'm wonderfully, delightfully, gratefully older. I, I am past the season. 
Don't you want to go back? No. <laughs> but those of you who raise your kids in that season, he is helping build and you're together going to build how you bring biblical knowledge in the elementary years. Biblical values in middle school years make biblical decisions by the time you hit your high school and following. You want to be in on that. I know the world right now is saying anti-church, anti-Jesus. They're saying, get behind the chainsaws. It's awesome. I know the world is saying, ah, just do everything online. But you're not that person. You bring your kids because you're building something in them. If you're in the other group, if you're in the <laughs> empty nester, glory to God, hallelujah. If you're in the 55 plus group, I'm not retiring. As this shifts over the coming years to Jason, I'm going to put the majority of my efforts into the fourth quarter group. Let me say something to you in the fourth quarter. Do not let your final season of life on earth be the season of your greatest self-indulgence and your least kingdom impact. God forbid what a series of foolish decisions that would be. Close the door on that stuff. And by the way, we're going to have another party and some fun. When is that? The party is coming December the 12th, Sunday, 6.30 p.m. Sign up for Q Christmas, 37748. They'll put it on the screen. And this, this will just be a ton of fun. And we're going to have some serious conversation. Wear an ugly sweater. You might win a, a Christmas present. We'll, we'll, we'll have a little bit of fun with Travis and Donna. We'll sing some Christmas carols. We'll have, we'll have a sincere dialogue about the stage of life that we're in. We'll encourage one another. We'll have some great refreshments after first thousand people get a shot to be in. All of this to say, get your head right. And then you got to get your heart right. Get your what? Heart right. You got to walk away from the chainsaws. That's what I'm doing. And it is a long walk from the chainsaws to the other door. You got to close that door. You got to open this door. And when I say open this door, you got to open the door of self-restraint. And maybe I should say it this way. Maybe I should just say that, that the door of self-indulgence, you walk through full of yourself, but the door of self-restraint, you usually have to die to yourself. This is the one where you get on your knees. This is the one where you die to yourself to get through that door. I wrote the things that are hard. It's hard to drink hot tea in a world of hot chocolate. It's hard to be disciplined in an emotionally undisciplined culture. It's hard to put down the alcohol before you get drunk. It's hard to quit spending and live within your means. It's hard to hold your tongue and not vent angry feelings. It's hard to eat right and exercise instead of overindulging appetites. It's hard to do homework when friends are procrastinating. It's hard to be sexually pure when the world is sexually promiscuous. It's hard to be selfless in marriage when you want to be selfish. It's hard to honor God with tithe, first 10% in a world of greed. It's hard to keep your word when people break their word. It's hard to be kind in a world of hate. It's hard to worship God in a world that worships self. However, however, whoo, you fall on your knees and walk through this door. You know what this is, don't you? This right here, this is the blessed life. This is the life where God gives peace in the midst of stress and strength and power and encouragement and endurance and all the beautiful promises of God. You begin to feel, yeah, you got to wait till heaven to get it all, but down here, you get just a little bit of it. As good as it ever gets is on the other side of the door that you open that is the door 
that God invites us to. Come on now. Let's quit pretending. This is the running car. This is the thing that rescues you. The best way to handle stress is to fall on your knees. Say, dear God, this is beyond me, and I can't find comfort in the world in foolish self-indulgence. Would you help me die to myself and do the right thing regardless how I feel? Amen? Solomon in 1 Kings 8, before he ever opened the door of self-indulgence, built the temple and prayed. And it says, when Solomon had finished all these prayers and supplications to the Lord, he rose from before the altar of the Lord where he had been kneeling. Huh. If all this is is religion for you, it's not going to. It's not going to change anything for you. This is all relationship. That's all Jesus ever offered you. It'll transform you from the inside out. But you got to fall on your knees. This week I was woken early and stirred from the Christmas song. Oh, holy night, in that moment when the song says, fall on your knees. When you figure out that Christ is the Lord, it's not a baby in a manger, it's God in flesh. And he loves you and you matter to, you, you matter to him and his heart is for you, then you will fall on your knees. This is how you handle stress. And I was compelled, this is going to be maybe a little strange, but we're going to play about him two minutes of that. And then I'm going to wrap our time with one final thought. So wherever you are, would you just stand right now before the Lord at any campus at 12 Stone Home or even online? Would you let this play out? Maybe you need to fall on your knees wherever you are. Maybe that's not convenient where you're standing, but you enter in and we pick up in the middle of the song. Christ is the Lord. Worship him. Fall on your knees. This is how you handle stress. Engage in worship.
So Lord, help us, right? Because I can't get out of self-indulgence without the power of God. Neither can you. If you don't know Jesus, and get, get your heart right with him. He'll forgive you, receive him, buy in, lean in. If you know Jesus, keep your heart right. Fall on your knees. One last thing before I hand the service to the campus pastors who are going to pray over us. There was a stirring. I hope you'll hear it right. It's not for those of you at the campus. This stirring is not for those of you who are at 12 Stone Home. This stirring is for those of you who are watching online. And I want to give you an encouragement of a door to close and a door to open. If God will stir it in you, maybe this will be a good decision. The things that created online church and your new habit of watching church only online, that threat is not the threat it used to be. And maybe for the month of December this year, you decide to close the door to online church so that you can go in person or at a 12 stone home. Because there is something that God will do in you and through you to break what has become in our culture an altar of convenience. And I'm not sure that you can experience what God is willing to do, desires to do, if you worship at the altar of convenience. Now, I'm not casting that on you, and that's why you are there. But I'm... I, I just felt the stirring to encourage you. If you want to receive it, close the door to online church for you. If you're close to a campus, if you can get to a 12 stone home and go get in person. And if you don't know why, you'll know at the end of December why. I think there are things God wants to do in and through you. And that altar of convenience has to die for you to get the places God would take you. Well, there's my peace. <laughs> but there are things we all got to close the door on. So I'm in from the service or the campus pastors. They'll pray over us. May God do a mighty work in us. Campus pastors. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.